We'd like to speak today about the importance of fathers and send you home with some pointers on how to be a father that instills godly identity in your children's lives. Now, always when we speak on, on aspects of life wherein we might have, have a hard time, where we might have failed in, um, it's always difficult to speak about it candidly because, you know, it hurts sometimes when you realize that I didn't do all this all that right. And, 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 and yet it's so important that we do speak about fathering uh, just because of the huge impact that it has. So I understand it's hard to sometimes listen to messages from, you know, the pulpit um, about things that we feel we haven't been perfect at. We haven't, we haven't like, completely succeeded at. And, 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 and sometimes it's even stuff that we were subjected to that wasn't even our making or doing. I'm thinking about single moms that are having to, you know, do both sides of the coin here in terms of parenting. And, and you weren't necessarily to blame for being in the situation that you are now. And, and listening and hearing about, you know, the role of fathers and the importance of fathers might be difficult to you to hear today. Um, and I want to really emphasize what we sang today about the grace of God, that that is absolutely the spirit of this house. I, I feel like it is, it is something that we all know, that grace is in this house, right? right? So, so we know that grace is there to fully restore us in things that we did not, weren't perfect at. And, and, and here's a, a part about grace that we don't, don't always talk about, but that is so important because grace isn't there to just cover for where we missed it. Actually, grace is also there to empower us to become more of what God wanted us to become. Grace is there to empower us to overcome whatever we do next to not do it according to the patterns of this world, but to, to start doing it according to the pattern of God's Word. And so I want to emphasize that we're speaking from an absolute spirit of grace um, today. But however, we need to be able to talk about things uh, as God defines them. And, and we need to be able to talk about fathering, you know, and, and define it as God wants it to be defined. Um, there's no point to lowering our expectation of what fathering is and should be because all we will do is we'll almost become complicit. We'll, almost, we'll partner with some of the hurt and the destruction that's currently going on in society because of the lack of fathering and godly fatherhood. And so we want to be able to speak about fathering according to what God says without anybody walking out here feeling shame, guilt, defeated. Can we lay that as a ground rule here today? And I believe that if you will stick around with me throughout the whole message, that you will understand at the end that we can do that. We can speak candidly about these things. Um, and at the same time, hold up God's design in front of us and say, you know, what steps can I take to move ever more closer to how God wanted it to be, how God wants me to be as a father? At the same time, I want to say that, you know, isn't it unfair to withhold from those who are just starting out their journey of fathering? 
the wisdom that they need to maybe not make the same mistakes that we made, right? And so we want to be able to, we have a, a lot of young fathers in our, in our house, um, and we want to be able to tell them, this is what the Bible says, this is God's desire for fatherhood, and so that they, right at the beginning of their journeys, can start saying, I'm going to strive to, to be like this kind of father, and I'm going to, to, to look to God the Father to Feel the need that I might have that I didn't get from my own dad so that I can be a more godly representation of God the Father to my kids. And so I'm really asking every one of us here to be brave today, okay? Because inevitably you will feel like today's message is going to show you things that you didn't do right or didn't do at all, right? Um, and, and those things might have had consequences. And it's easy to feel guilty and shamed because of that. And that is not our desire. That is the exact opposite. In fact, what we want to rather have you walk out here is handles on, okay, how do I walk in the grace of God with the favor of God, having been completely washed clean and forgiven, shame removed, and take the next steps toward being who God wants me to be from this point moving on. And so um, I'm asking us to be brave because fatherhood is incredibly important. And right now in the world, we're facing so many consequences of fatherlessness. Um, and the way to not go about fixing and healing those issues is to not talk about it, is to think that it's too offensive to talk about it. And I understand in our day and age, manhood is being attacked. It's not okay to, to emphasize manliness and manhood. And it is considered incorrect and not right to speak about the role of fathers and to hold up the biblical perspective of fatherhood. But we can't cartel to culture and let culture tell us as Christians how we ought to to define our lives. We have to keep letting God's Word define us. Um, and, 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 and then where there is a gap, we know personally Jesus forgives and graces us, but then He also enables us to step into starting to close that gap in practice for ourselves. So I'm really asking you to be brave with me today. Um, I have failed in many of the things that we're going to share so I'm not speaking as one who, you know, claims to have it done, have done it perfectly. Um, and in fact, trust me, to speak about these things are often more difficult to listen to them <laughs> because it's easy to feel fake when you haven't succeeded in some of these things. But I'm also receiving God's grace for myself today to, to know that I also get a second chance. I also get to work with God to fix my mistakes in the things that I have done. So I promise you, if you are brave with me today, we'll come to God's affirming, reinstating grace that enables you to walk tall out of this place because it's never too late to take up the baton of godly fatherhood. It's never too late to take up this baton of godly fatherhood. Can I hear a great big amen from the dads? All right. So I want to say this, that fatherhood is more than just having physical children. It's about raising healthy human beings, okay? So, so fatherhood can really stretch beyond 
just our familial bonds. It can, it can, it can be applied way broader. And, and I believe that this house has the spirit of fatherhood on it. That means that many of you and some of you young people have come in and experienced fathering out of this house and from this house. Um, so some of us might not have biological fathers, um, but it doesn't mean that you are completely devoid of fatherhood. Fatherhood can exist in a people, in a culture that has the mindset of, hey, we're developing, we're speaking and loving, we're defining, we are echoing God's words to the people around us. And I want you to know that for whatever reason you may feel that you have a lack in fathering, there are plenty of fathers in this house that want to connect with people and want to bring affirmation and validation to you. If it means 30-year-olds with 60-year-olds, if it means 20-year-olds with 40-year-olds, or whatever the case may be, um, there are, that's available. And, and what, I've, what I've found is that the spirit of fatherhood can allow me to receive fathering even from my peers, Right? Like every morning, every morning when, when before we come to, 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 uh, to service, Pastor Josh messages Pastor Jamie and myself. And every day he says, um, men, I'm proud of you and I pray for you and God is going to help you for this service. So something uh, in, that, in that light. And you know what? That is amazing because the spirit of fatherhood in this house even allows us to receive affirmation and validation from our, our peers. Um, and so it just depends on how you position your heart and how you, how you humble yourself to be able to receive fathering. And in that way, even we can be fathered by people that are sometimes younger our, our age because it doesn't necessarily require position to be a father. Fathering is a function of love. And where the intention is to affirm to define, to develop, to care, to cover, there the spirit of fatherhood can bring healing and can, 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 can supplement whatever is missing in my personal experience of fatherhood. I believe this spirit is what also allows single moms the grace to fill in a mass missing gap of father, the father in the home. Um, and why it's so massive that you know, single moms do their level best to have their children involved in such Christian environments where there are plenty of fathers that can love on their kids as well. Not to claim full, you know, um, substituting, but to just supplement, to add, and to bring that spirit of fatherhood that heals, that defines. I know for a fact how big an influence certain teachers, coaches, spiritual leaders had on my life, how they helped define me in areas where my physical dad failed to define me according to God's sight. So I think the importance of fatherhood cannot be overstated. Um, and I think also what we can look at to see what the importance of fatherhood is, is just to look at what statistically happens when fathers aren't around Okay, when fathers aren't available in the house. And, and let me just say this here, because I know that many fathers here work in other states. Many fathers, some of you are watching online right now, because you're not physically home. I understand our, 
dilemma here in the South with certain, uh, some of our um, industries, how it requires fathers to physically have to be somewhere for extended periods of time. But let me give you hope. Just because you're not physically present doesn't mean that you have to engage emotionally and not be present with communication and interest. And so I'm hoping that through today you will see that, hey, there is a need for you to be home even when you're not home. And that consistent effort of yours to stay interested, to stay involved, to stay engaged is eventually what makes the huge difference in amidst the fact that you are physically not present. But it will mitigate a ton of that physical absence because there is a connection that is persistent, that is, that is consistent. So I'm asking you guys especially to be brave because you will have to remind yourself of what I just said often because we're talking about fathers who are absent and you have to assess for yourself to what degree am I absent and then get the grace of God to help you take steps to mitigate that and to diminish that absolute absence that might exist, but I am not claiming that it does exist just because you are not physically present. So please remember that. But the sad reality is in some houses, dads are there, but they're not there. <laughs> they're physically present, but they're just so disinterested that they don't even have an impact. And, and I want to say that that is also a reality that we're facing in our world, is dads who are just so consumed in, I don't know what, sometimes it's hurt, sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's work, sometimes it's ambition, sometimes it can be whatever that causes you to not connect. Your physical presence, like we learned about the presence of the Holy Spirit, that proximity isn't necessarily enough. Proximity isn't necessarily enough, but children require actual connection with their father. And so from data that, you know, you can, you can Google this online, pretty, you know, legit research facilities all will say things to, you know, the tune of with children who grow up without fathers are way more likely, some claim four times more likely to be poor as adults. They often are way more prone to become involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school, suffer from mental health or emotional problems. Boys are more likely to become involved in crime and girls are more likely to become pregnant as teenagers. This is just, I mean, this is like if you screech your eyes open, this is just a brief little peek into the effects, the negative effects that absent fathers sometimes have on homes. So once again, we cannot overstate the role of the father. There is just too much that back, proof and evidence that backs your value as a dad in your house. So I want to say to you today, dads, you are way more than just a paycheck. I hope you hear me. You are way more than just a paycheck. In fact, I know that children who grow up with an involved dad, who grow up poor, grow up to become more healthy and stable adults than children who grow up with lots of material position 
possessions, but not having had dad, not having had his heart. You are more than a paycheck. And so today we're going to talk about some of the role and then how do we do this. The first role of fatherhood, I believe, is that you are their first example of God the Father. You are their first example of God the Father. Your job is to introduce them to God as the perfect father. But let's be honest, there's there's a period of life where fathers don't get to really reasonably talk to their children, right? The children, they're just there and they're walking and they're falling and they're drooling and they're, you know. How do I introduce you to God, the perfect father, if I cannot explain to you that, hey, what you see here isn't it? The fact is you can't. And, 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 and this is what makes it so difficult. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 to 7 says that these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And that is absolutely true. Fathers, this is your primary responsibility, is to see the Word of God and to teach your children the Word of God. But here's what we got to know. And for those of you dads who have kids who are under the age of six, you need to, you need to like point your ears right now. Your child is absorbing more info and experiences now in this first three years of their life, and they're, 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 they're processing it and absorbing it now at a rate that is not matched by any genius adult ever in life. In fact, they are processing quantity-wise more information and, and, and data right now than they will ever do as an adult. All babies are born geniuses. And they absorb things before you are even able to explain to them what that is. That means that their experiences are teaching them things about this world before they can even comprehend what they are experiencing. Here's how I can explain that. Your child, when they started talking, were they conscious of the fact, oh wow, I just said my first word. They didn't even have a clue what that is. They just started to act on what they've been processing, it came out without them being even aware of this. Which means that they are starting to do things before they even understand it. Understanding comes later in life, but processing information happens from the word go. That means they experience you way before they even understand what they're experiencing. And because they're created in God's image, they have emotions, they have a will, they have the capacity to determine. They have the capacity to, 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 to log experiences. And when they have negative experiences like abandonment, like emotional disconnection with a mom, even in the womb sometimes, They can have a wound of rejection before they have even exited the womb. And so we have to understand, and if you're raising a a, a small kid right now, you have to understand that they are literally experiencing life through your ecosystem, through the habitat that you create. And you 
And your job is to have them experience heaven on earth as much as you can. Let them experience God as much as you can. Ephesians 2 verse 18, 2 to 18, uh, sorry, chapter 2 verse 18 says the following, For through Him we have access in the Spirit to God the Father. You see, as adults, we experience God the Father through understanding Jesus and experiencing the Holy Spirit. Together, that's how we experience God. But as children, they're experiencing God, Dad, first and foremost through their experience with you. This experience lays an unconscious foundation for their well-being that can take sometimes years, even decades to fix if it was broken, if that foundation was absent or broken. So what I want you to consider here today is how can I be involved and let my children, my baby and toddler children experience God in the first couple of years of their lives? How can I model God the Father to them as accurately as I can so that they will gain understanding one day when it'll match their logged experiences with what they are learning about God in the Bible. Some kids' disconnection with God comes even before because of experiences they had before they even knew the concept of God. And so our job as fathers of young kids is to make sure that we're around, we're invested, we don't think of, oh, that first six years, they don't know nothing anyway, so what's the use of me being around? Every use of you being around, of you engaging. This period of your life is not a period where you can think of, oh, all right, it's fine for me to just be absent. No, they need to hear your voice. They need to experience your touch. They need to see you around them. And so don't minimize these first couple of years of a child's life because that's where you lay the foundation of their well-being. My wife's turn to speak, and I'll be quiet. You said it well. <laughs> oh. So the second thing I want to speak about this morning is that you as a dad, you set the identity of your children. So you are, I mean, it's the same thing, but you are the identity setter. And um, you want that identity of your children to echo what God says about your children. So that's a real important job that you have as a, as a dad and I just want to throw moms in there too because it's, it's our job as well to hear and sit with God, hear what he says about your children, um, what he says about them in general, but also what does he say about them as individuals. And um, I read, I'm going to read a part for, uh, for you guys from a psychologist, Eric Erickson, and what he says about childhood development. Um, he says, childhood development is primarily a process whereby kids gain a sense of personal identity through interaction with people. Fatherhood is an identity-shaping vocation. Like vocation speaks about job, right? Um, whether he does so consciously or not, a dad tells his children who and what to become. I mean, I was just like, yo, I'm glad I'm not a dad. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> It's just so important. Um, then he says, fathers encourage identity development and teach values when they help to shape the hearts and minds of their children. 
The child is significantly defined by the father's manner of relating to him. It's a lot about what, what JJ just said as well. By his actions and attitudes towards the child, the father projects an identity onto the child so that he grows up to think and feel about himself according to the father's enacted vision of him. Mm. So day by day, hour by hour, it's this passing on of character occurs in this fathering process. I mean, that's absolutely crazy to think that. So the child becomes, uh, he comes to see himself or herself through the dad's eyes. That's, I know that's like a lot <laughs> that I just read, but the last sentence sums it up for me, that the children becomes who they see, how they see themselves through their dad's eyes. Sure. And um, so as I was writing this, or copying and pasting that, because I didn't write that, <laughs> I was just thinking of, you know, what JJ does, and I think he does a great job at this. There's a few things that he does really great in this area. And um, <laughs> yeah, a few. Um, the one thing that I love what he does is he, he taught our children this question, but then he taught them the answer. And I know we've shared this before. So he would, he would ask our kids, our girls, like, um, why are you so beautiful? So in the beginning, then he said, this is how you answer me. How do you answer them? Oh, good job, Joy. So we taught them the answer, and the answer is because God made me this way. And uh, we asked Gray, why are you so handsome? In the beginning, his answers were uh, questionable. But uh, we helped him, and um, so now he also knows because God made me this way. And Because uh, um, <laughs> I'm just that good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that good. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. <laughs> None of the girls ever said that. <laughs> um, sayings like this, oh, yeah, sayings like this really help shape your children in what they believe about themselves. And uh, like he would also say just randomly to our children, well, mainly to the girls, um, who's that beautiful girl in the mirror? And, uh, you know, then they always sheepishly laugh, like, oh, it's me, you know. <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror. Um, but it tells them who they are. And... Uh, we would greet them like this in the morning. Good morning, you know, beautiful girl and champion. We get, don't, don't tell Gray, he's beautiful, he's handsome. And uh, we would tell him that he's our champion. And he knows, you can ask him, he definitely knows that he is the champion. I think he thinks he's the champion of the world. <laughs> but that's okay for now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I would ask him, Gray, you know that you are my special, right? And he's like, I know, mom. I know. Well, he doesn't call me mom. He says, ma. ma. I know, ma. Good. Um, Colossians 3 verse 21, if you want to turn there in your Bible, you are welcome. I'm not going to because I realize this is so small to read. <laughs> if it's so far. Um, Colossians says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That's such an important verse because I think it's so easy to, uh, to provoke our children and then they become discouraged. So, if a child is being told in world, words and attitudes that you are stupid, you are lazy, um, that you're in my way, I can't trust you, um, you know, a child gradually loses hope and motivation to be anything else. You know, think of yourself as an adult. If you're in your job, as a job and people keep telling you, oh man, seriously, you can't figure this out, keep putting you down, 
after a while, that's what you'll start to believe. So unless your child or the child finds a different defining influence in their lives or just outright rebels against your negativity towards him, then the child will inevitably become whatever the father projects. And in this, this, in this very real sense, the father's words act as a scripting message that inscribes into the child a storyline to be lived. So you are writing your child's story with your words and your attitudes toward them. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. That's, that's the only thing I can say. <laughs> it's like, that's amazing. Um, and it depends, you know, this could be good or bad news. And I hope it's good news <laughs> for you. So depending on what type of father you are and what type of father your child has been exposed to. And you can also maybe sit here and think, yeah, because my dad, you know, my dad said this or that, or maybe he said nothing, or he said, he said good things. So our children inevitably becomes whatever the father projects. Imagine, on the other hand, a father saying things like, you're intelligent, you're capable and full of potential. I know you will grow up and be a kind and honest person. You mean everything to me. I love you. God has a great plan for your life. You're a leader. You are brave. You are beautiful. You are strong. You're a world changer. I mean, then, I mean I'm just read those things and I feel like, yeah, let's go change the world. <laughs> so it's so important what you as a dad say to your children because it shapes their identity. Yeah, for me, it's a, on this point here, it's so incredible how... Um, our kids respond to our definition of them, our story of them. We sometimes wonder, you know, is leadership something that just is natural? Is people born leaders or whatever? We just decided that we're going to teach all of our kids that they are leaders. And so every single morning we talk about that on their way to school. Um, and What's incredible is to see how, despite their personality differences, each and every one of them are astutely leading in their peer, uh, among their peers. Each of them are respectful towards their teachers and authority, and each of them are leading in their classes. And, and it's not that they are, and, 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 and they're definitely not all extroverted, and not all like natural talkers, or, but they have each understood uh, the definition of me in the way that I am, am also to be a leader. And we've also defined what leadership is to them. We told them, here's what it is to be a leader. It's a person who helps their teacher, a person who helps their friends, and a person who helps other people to find solutions to problems. And that's what they think, that's what they know, and that's what they believe, and that's what they try to do. Um, they initiate when there are challenges. Let's do this, let's do that. Why do they respond like that? It's because of the way that our storyline has been written. That's how we wrote, and they will choose to interact with it differently. Sometimes some don't want to do it the way that the others, and that's perfectly good and fine. But they're responding to our narrative that we created for them to respond to and that's that's because that's what kids do that's that's how we are to respond to god's story about us right
Um, so identity setters. The, thing, the next thing the father is really responsible for is to setting the belief system of the house. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua has a, a pivotal moment in his leadership. And um, the nation is literally trying to, you know, introduce things that are definitely not according to God's will. The whole culture around him is in compromise. And Joshua takes a stand and he says, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, and how many of you know these days, Living according to Christian values and principles are being portrayed to us as, oh no, that's evil. It's like, it's like people are trying to claim a, a moral higher ground over the moral basis that God has established in Scripture. And our whole culture is turning towards that. And Joshua in a moment like this says, choose whether it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord and whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of your fathers that served in, and wherever they come from, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, uh, dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, 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 and he was emphatic about who the Lord is. It was Yahweh. It wasn't some, some other, you know, compromised version of who God can be. It was the God who is defined by Scripture. And he said, this is who we are going to serve, me and my house. Note that there was no negotiation with the house. He defined it. And he led toward it. And there might be people in his house who did not necessarily come with him. It doesn't say that. But in practice, sometimes it doesn't always go that way. But here's the bottom line. is you can't allow deviation from what God's calling is. To compromise the whole by adopting the compromised way as the new standard. What God defines as morality and ethical behavior, I don't care what generation or life we get into, how far we progress in this world, those things are objectively true. And they will be what we live and learn to our kids. And how we define what is gender, what is sexuality, what is the role of women? What is the role of men? What is the role of fathers? What is the role of mothers? We will uncompromisingly stand on what the Bible is teaching about those matters. Anything else is just shaky, shaky ground. But here's what happens when we start introducing compromise into our system, into our ecosystem at home. is what we call generational drift. Okay? And so... If you don't make God's word and his principles the priority and the, the standard, the measure according to which everything else is measured, your children will actually struggle to accept the validity of not, not, not necessarily the practical ability, but the validity of God's word. Well, why should I? Hallelujah. It's empty. Why should I listen to this? It's not how can I listen to this. It's difficult. No, no, no. It's like this isn't valid. I shouldn't have to listen to this. Their children will grow out without God as even a concept. Sometimes it takes just three generations for your family to go from Christian to atheist. Sometimes it takes a little bit more. But there is a clear 
clear, clear indication that if somebody doesn't come and course redirect, it just takes three generations. And then children grow up without God. And very soon, they just claim that God doesn't even exist. And so it's necessary for us as dads to understand that, look, this is not something that we can take lightly. We are to set the belief system of our house. And here's what 3 John 1 verse 4 says. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. How many of you would love your children to walk in the truth? We all want this joy of knowing that our kids are pursuing God in their own right, in their own decision, right? They made their own decision to want to know God and walk with Him. We all want that joy. But this doesn't come automatic. It comes by being intentional. It comes by me leading them there. First and foremost, me leading myself there. Our kids have to process tons of information these days in school. Now, every generation had to go through it. But we have to be relevant to the, process, to the information that they're currently processing in the schools. And so, dads, it's important that you educate yourself. What are they hearing at school? And what's the biblical perspective about these things so that you can set the belief system on current affairs in your house? Good. So the fourth thing um, about being a dad is to be a faithful provider and um, to firstly respond or your first responsibility is to your children at home, obviously. You know, but it's way more to, like we said in the beginning, more than material needs. Mm. Um, for sure, it's important, you know, to provide financially, but it definitely doesn't stop there. Providing for their spiritual needs, their psychological needs, emotional needs. You know, kids, I think sometimes we we'll, uh, meet children and it, it almost looks like their parents only think they have um, physical needs. But there's so much more. I want to read to you 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And that is a very um, confronting scripture, I'd say. But just um, it's really encouraging fathers to provide for your household. And uh, like we're going to speak a little bit more about not just uh, with finances. Mm. Um, engaging emotions and emotional situations. It's uh, not only the mother's job. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I think it comes very, it can be very easy for a dad to say, oh, no, I don't deal with that mess. You go sort that out, you know, because that feels a little bit too emotional. Someone's going to cry or someone's going to tell a very long story. And um, I don't know what to do with that. So, and you just say, okay, no, go speak to your mom or I'm going to call mom or you just silently disappear to wherever you disappear to, I don't know. Um, I have some, you know, ideas, but <laughs> I don't know where you disappear to. Um, you know, the other day I asked my children, do you also, when dad is on the toilet, you also come in and like just all of you have like a meeting in the bathroom, like ask me stuff, can you help me with this? We are fighting, this one is crying. I'm like, you also do this with your dad? And they were like, no. <laughs> I'm like, so what? What? Why? We're going to go in. I'm like, so why, 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 are you, why can you come in here now? So um, when dad, don't disappear to the bathroom. 
<laughs> just stay, stay, don't leave. <laughs> um, don't leave, even if it doesn't come natural to mm. you. Your children need you to be available in these um, situations as well. And remember that your kids have emotional needs. I think we are so easy to just shut them down and cut them off, you know. And um, be sensitive to their every need, not just their physical needs of, uh, okay, let's go buy ice cream. Yeah, that's also good, but uh, not only that. And um, for the dads with daughters, and I'm speaking as a daughter that's 40 years old. I'm speaking to my dad into that camera. <laughs> um, like you, your daughters wants to speak to you. They want to tell you about their day. Um, I think at some point you might think, ah, oh, she doesn't want to speak to me. She wants to speak to you. She wants to tell you everything, mm. like just everything. And I know it can be like, okay, so what happened? Just get to the end. Um, <laughs> but she, she has a desire to chat with you and just tell you things. She wants to tell you um, what happened at school or just, you know, if she's a grown woman, she just wants to tell you about her life. So I want to encourage you, put down your phone, leave your work, and just, you know, listen, ask some questions. Um, oh, tell me more. So this is that friend, right? You know, <laughs> um, be interested in their lives. And then your, your children need a spiritual leader, uh, someone that they can follow, and you must take the lead in your house. Mm. Um, this next verse says, it's in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 11 to 12 says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each other one of, each one of you. Huh? We exhorted each one of you. Thank you. And encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Psalms 103 verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So I want to encourage you dads to have compassion on your children. Listen to them. Be interested in them. Ask them questions like, what's your favorite color? I mean, our kids ask us that weekly. <laughs> weekly, I tell you. Um, what's your favorite food? My answer is always the same. I don't know. What's your favorite color? Okay, it's green. Um, you know, what's your favorite animal? I mean, I don't know. But ask them those things. They want to... Mm. Want, just want you to be involved in their lives. Ask them, so tell me a little bit about your friends. What's their names again? You know, just interact with them. And um, fathers, encourage and comfort your children. They need that more than just your money. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I know all the kids will disagree with this, but your children need discipline from you as a father mm. and they would probably all say nope i don't think so but um, god thinks so and we follow him and not our children <laughs> so a good father disciplines Huge with point. instruction and i feel that's so important to know that you have to discipline but you have to discipline with instruction yeah. and it can't just be because um you yeah, know in fact you cannot correct what you haven't instructed yet right that's true you got to be mad at them for doing stuff that you haven't actually explained to them why is this wrong or mm -hmm. why don't we do it this way. Mm -hmm. So instruction first and then revisiting correction about what you already instructed. If you haven't instructed it, like this often happens in public. Some, your kid does right. something wrong in public and you want to go like, 
know, but then you realize, I've never told them this is inappropriate. Don't go off on your kid in public to shave your own face. Mm -hmm. Just take the hit, go home, and revisit the situation. Now define for them why that was wrong. And now in the future, you can go, hey, remember what we said last time? Mm -hmm. And you won't feel like you're you know, ashamed if they do something wrong in public. But this right. is so important. Don't blow up on your kids in public. Correct in private, praise in public. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you need to correct them, remove them out of the situation before you blow up on them in public. Okay, that mm -hmm. was just a quick one in there. Sorry, <laughs> babe. It's all good. Um, like as you discipline your children and teach them these things, it also teach them your values, your values as a follower of Jesus. Um, we have to like sh hurry up, right? Me have to hurry up. You have a whole section left. Listen, shall we, shall we skip I follow section? my notes. You add a lot of, th I'm reading. I'm like, that's not there. That's not there. That's not okay. there. That's not there. Can, can you do this one over here after? But let's, let's, let's leave this one out for now. And then we'll, I think this one is, people kind of know this one already. Can we do that one? What do I have Are to do? Okay I'm me? done then. Yes, but you're going to come in the next section over here, okay? All right, good. So we're just having a quick internal meeting, yeah? We don't want to keep you all till kingdom come, so... Um. I, I'll just say, when I preach alone, I'm like, done. I know, but That's now all, you go. all I'm saying. Okay, I, I agree. Okay, go, go, Fully go, agree. go. I don't have time to argue with you right now. <laughs> yeah, but start. I'm just feeling the emptiness. There's a huge point here about fathers needing to be a protector, and um, the, what she was going to do and talk about, we're going we're gonna to skip that one. I thought you were going to say that whole thing We're just going to say it, you know, <laughs> fathers are also protectors, like the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into them, they're safe. Your kids want to feel safe with you, and so create that environment where your kids feel safe to share things, even though they know that they're going to be in trouble, they can still share it with you. Um, let's go into some of the how-tos of doing this. I think one of the most important things for us as dads here today is that you and I, we need to experience God the Father for ourselves. And I know that this is a huge point of like, man, but, you know, I've served the Lord for so long. You know, how, what do you mean by experience God the Father for myself? Well, if you don't understand the differences between what your experience of fatherhood was and God the Father, then that's a place to start. Because if we, well, once we learn to differentiate between our own experience of fatherhood and who God really is, we'll start seeing the gaps where our fatherhood concept has been compromised. And then we can start pursuing that of God to fill us because you cannot give what you don't have. And so it becomes so important for you to explore what does it mean to be a godly father. And See how, God, how much your own father may have may been not 100% representative of God the Father. And in that process, you'll start to experience God afresh and anew. And look, your dad could have been an awesome dad, but no dad is perfect, right? And so for you to grow and to be an even better father for the next generation, you have to, with respect and honor, have a critical look at how your dad did not reflect the true father for you. And then that's not a point of bashing. That's a point of you now going to God the Father and growing and standing on your dad's shoulders. Not repeat the same mistakes he made. 
and grow to become an even more godly father for the next generation because we're trying to reverse all this fade that's happening. And so young men, and I'm young men, you can be 60 and be a young man and, and, and know how to relate to your previous, your father, 78. You can still realize that you're a son to somebody and you experience fatherhood from somebody. Go and explore what God the Father in Scripture wants you to see as His perfection, His perfect fatherhood, so that you can then go and say, okay, there's place for growth for me in my fathering. It doesn't matter how old your kids are, you can still grow in your fathering to them, right? And through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, you have access to the Father, to experience God the Father for yourself, to become the Father He wants you to be to your children, no matter what age they are currently at. So we spoke a little bit of the how-to in the previous um, section um, to set your children's identities. But I want to add some things to it. It's just realizing it's not, or it's inconsistent moments over hype moments where you set your children's identities. You know, it's not only showing up for birthdays, um, Christmas, maybe a big sports event. It's, uh, those things are important for sure. You know, I'm not saying they're not important, but it's showing up for things like dinner, uh, for game nights, for a Uno game, for the things that we don't see as important. Like just, uh, yeah, significant. Just sitting on the couch next to your kids and watching a, a movie you've seen many a times. Um, but they love it. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also showing up, like I said earlier, in the middle of their arguments, yes. establishing um, justice and leading them to forgive and make rights. You know, that's part of you as a dad's job is to help them reconcile, make right their relationship with each other. And your, your consistency trumps sporadic extravagance. Yes. You don't have to be flashy. You just have to be there for everything the whole time. <laughs> Celebrating the positive aspects of your child's personality and strengths. This is so important. Um, to encourage and celebrate how your child's, like what their strengths are. You know, and help them to manage their growth areas. When you focus on the strengths, um, they become secure in who they are. And when you speak about their weaknesses, they will not experience it as condemning or negative. Because you focus on what they're good at and where they are strong. And they don't only hear negative things from you or things that have to change. And I just want to like encourage you to not encourage them through negative pressure. I don't know why, but this comes so natural to all of us. Like if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this or you're not going to do that. Um, but sometimes we also use words like you will never amount to anything with the hope that they respond differently that they're going to show me that they will, will re, you know, amount up to something. Um, sometimes people say you're never going to achieve anything with the hope that they will show you different. But in essence, you're telling them that they are stupid, prove me wrong. Rather go with, I see exceptional, prove me right. Yes. Going the negative way isn't 
the right way for sure. Remember that you always link behavior to identity. So as you do this, it defines their identity to them. Say, you know, when we correct our children um, or when we speak about these things in our house, we say things like, this is how we do things. We don't do things like the people around you do things because we are children of God. This is why we do this. So we tell them, these are the reasons why we do these certain things. I mean, there's so many things that we do different than people around us. Um, but it, we teach our kids to, like, never say never or um, always. When you're mad. Yeah, when you're mad. Like, you never do this. That's not true. You always do this. That's not true. So we tell them, we don't speak like that because that, that isn't true and we don't speak like that. Um, we, something we do different is we don't partner with the spirit of fear. When our kids come home with fear about whatever, um, or they come out of the living room with fear <laughs> for whatever doesn't have to be from somewhere else, then we just never partner with that spirit of fear. We always bring it back to God is our provider and you can trust Him with your life. And God is our protector and you can trust Him with your life. So we always bring it back. We teach our children to not say, I hate school. I hate that person. We tell them this is not how we speak because we are children of God. Um, one of the big things we teach our kids are to not control everything and everybody around you because that's something that we do different. This is not who we are as a family because we serve Jesus. You don't have to control everybody around you. So when they keep saying, stop that, stop that, stop doing that, we always say, hey, give your siblings the freedom to do some irritating things, at least for a little while. <laughs> and, um, but not to just always damper and put a lid on someone's personality. Yeah, or their initiative. Or their yeah, their idea. initiative, yeah. So maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, well, that's all great, but I am a single mom. And I want to tell you that you are amazing. Like you are doing a great job at raising your children. And I know it's not easy. And I want to tell you that we see you. We see you and we applaud you. I'm so, I feel so blessed to not have to do this alone. And I can just really tell you that I think you're doing a great job. And what you have to take out of today's message is that there's going to be voids in your children's lives that you can't fully fulfill because you are not their dad. But I want to encourage you to be intentional in connecting them with some other godly men around you. And make sure that you connect them with God their Father. And we don't want you to think that you are not, that you are not enough. Because that's irrelevant, you know. You might be all that your kids have. And God knows that. And I believe that God wants to support you and He will give you everything that you need. All the perspectives, all the skills to help shape your children's identities. And also the wisdom to understand that there are access, there is access to fatherhood. There is access to the spirit of fathering in the house of God. And that's why bringing your kids into um, our youth ministry is so important, where Gabe is, 
becoming a father figure to, to a lot of them and teaching them values and echoing what you're teaching them at home and having an impact that way, partnering with you and, and all of y'all's kids um, to lay those spiritual foundations in their lives. A quick note for us who have kids that are now kind of like adults and moved out of the house, you know, um, and realize that I, I, I didn't do this perfectly right. I didn't know all these things. God's grace will be multiplied to you today. What can you do based off of this? I think start somewhere by modeling something different. I think acknowledging to your children that you have come to realize some of these things by way of an apology, by saying, I'm sorry that I didn't do fathering the way God wanted us to do fathering, will actually go a long way in them realizing that something's different in your perspective. And then start modeling what you learn in your relationship with God to them. Affirm them, validate them, how God is validating you as well. But start somewhere. Change something of how you model. Don't just go same old, same old from here on end. Show them that you're willing to grow and they will be willing to give you more chances of reconciliation if there might have been a break. But they might just even increase their respect for you for wanting to be a better example now than you've ever been of God the Father. And this is what I want us to end off today and hear the Father say to every father in this house, God is saying, I love you. From a father to a father. John 16, 27 says this, the father himself loves you. The father himself loves you. He loves you. You are his son. He is proud of you. And he wants you to know that he, that, that, that he believes that you've got this. You can do this fathering thing with His help. And I believe today He wants you to hear, let me lead you. Let me lead you. Let me show you things you can do different from now that will model to your kids who I am to them. Faith is the means by which we place ourselves under the fathering influence of God. So you read His words about you, and when you believe them, you receive His fathering for you. Faith is that means by which you put yourself under the fathering influence of God, that He can influence you again. And that's why we want to walk out here. No shame, no guilt, no regrets. Well, maybe regrets, because regrets sometimes push us to do better. But no shame, only faith. That God's going to help us to be more better, more better examples of who He is to our children. Yes? Yes. Let's all stand and pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for being our dad. Thank You for grace that calls us out of shame and out of regret and out of all these things. And and calls us out of ignorance and out of, oh, I didn't know, into knowledge, into wisdom, and into perspective, 
into an experience of who you are so that we can be better fathers than we've ever been no matter what season of fatherhood we are in. We look to you, Dad, to lead us on. We look to you, Dad, to define us, to celebrate us, to validate us, to affirm us. We look to you and we thank you that you love us and that you have accepted us and that you have called us and that you call us your own. We identify with that. We are yours. We are yours. We are yours. Abba, we are yours. We belong to you. And we thank you that you don't reject us or put us aside for our mistakes. No, you pull us closer because you correct the sons that you love. You pull us closer and you show us more definitely, more accurately, more particularly the things in us that doesn't reflect you that you want us to shift and move and grow towards you too. Thank you that that shows us that you love us and that you believe in us. We know you believe in us and we will follow you as we lead our children, as we lead our households, as we lead this church, as we lead our workplaces, as we lead our, our staff, our colleagues, as we lead our peers, as we spread this amazing privilege of fatherhood far and wide as we can to as many as we have capacity to share with so that everyone, even those who have absences in their lives might be supplemented, might be filled up by our fathering spirit that we foster. That this house might raise us back up and might, might help us to produce a better next generation than what was given or afforded to us. That we might build on the foundations but raise up the walls of a healthy household. That we might raise up the walls of healthy society around us, Lord God. That we might be a preserving factor to our culture, a preserving fa a, 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 a factor of transformation and of, 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 of rebuilding things that have been neglected over years. Help us fix our mindsets and our ideas so that the consequences of our ideas might be rebuilding the ruins of the past and providing a healthier path for those who follow in our footsteps forward. We bless you, Father. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.